let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Outpost of Heaven, the podcast. We're so excited to be here with you today, and we're so excited to welcome our guest, Kirby Hayborn. Hello, Kirby. Hello, Emily. Hello, Andrew. Guys, we did it. What a great interview. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a couple little technical difficulties, but this one worked. So, <laughs> And we pray that it continues to be smooth. So. <laughs> right. So we're super excited for today's episode. Uh, Kirby is, I feel like, a childhood hero of mine and my brother's. Um, you want to talk, should we talk about Logan and like how this all got set yeah. up? Yeah. Okay? So, um, maybe we should do an intro for Kirby <laughs> first. Sorry, we're jumping all around. So, yeah. So, Kirby is an actor, singer, songwriter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're all very excited. So, um, yeah. So, Kirby is an actor, singer, songwriter, narrator of books and has the show Making Good that we have grown to love. It's the best. You have to look it up and watch it. Um, but yeah, what else do you have to add, Kirby? What's your family like? Where are you from? Oh, that's that's it. I do all that stuff. I've got a wife and three kids, and I'm from Wyoming, and then went to high school in uh, Utah, and then lived in California for 16 years. And then just a year ago, I got out of California before it was cool to get out of California, <laughs> and uh, we moved to Utah. So you're a hipster among hipsters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just admire Kirby so much. We've like watched all the movies that you're in. We've listened to the books that you've narrated. So we're big fans. Um, and the really cool story. So Logan, Andrew's brother, who we've had on the show before, mm -hmm. he called us up we were going to have our family Christmas before Christmas. So it was like Thanksgiving time. And he calls us up. He's like, well, I got you your Christmas present. I arranged for a Kirby to be a guest on your podcast. And we were like, what? No way. <laughs> so that's basically where we're at. <laughs> yeah. So he agreed. So what were you thinking when he reached out to you? I thought, what a sweet guy. What an awesome brother that would reach out to somebody and like put his heart on his sleeve and say, Hey, and the thing is, it was just lucky because I don't check my messages very often. Mm -hmm. And um, I just happened to, maybe it was a few days after he had sent it. And <clears throat> I just thought, what a sweetheart of a guy. I got to do this. And then I <laughs> looked you guys heart. up and I thought, yeah, I, I, after I said yes, then I looked you guys up and I went, whew, okay. Uh, I said yes to something fun and good. <laughs> Awesome. Good. We're, we're glad that you, hopefully you think that after this, right? Yeah, right. We'll, we'll wait until it's over. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, past judgment. So, so um, to kick it off, we want to start with some fun, more fun questions. Um, what's your favorite movie that you've acted in? And then also your favorite role. Maybe it's different. Oh, goodness. My favorite one. Um, what's your favorite one? Mine's the best two years, hands down. Yeah. yeah I watch that movie like every Sunday for like my whole life. Yeah. That's yeah. that was such That's a, a good one. Uh, play. Elder Calhoun is such a sweetheart of a guy that just was innocent and he was so fun to play. I I'm still dear friends with all the guys in the cast, Dave Nibley and Casey Clyde. Um but one thing that I I realized is that um Elder Calhoun, if you watch it again, you'll see I tried to just have like a puppy dog crush on Casey. He's uh, Elder Rogers mm -hmm. in that. Right. And I thought, okay, like my third grade crush and I love him so much, he can't <laughs> do anything wrong. And so before every take, I would just look at him and just fall in love with him. And he would be like, yeah, brother, which is perfect. That was the first yeah. thing we had worked on together. And, um, it was fun. We we had mutual friends and we knew each other and we'd hung out a little bit, but that was the first time. And so it was it was fun to be really annoying and in love with him and have him 
not have to act and just be the brother. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. I think one great thing about that movie is for so many missionaries, ourselves included, as we were learning a foreign language, we had like so many of our language moments were epitomized by things that Elder Calhoun said in in the best two years. Yeah. Right. Like the the ordering that's the not bread. The language they taught me. Yeah. <laughs> like that one. That's not the language taught yeah. me in PC. Or like the moment when you find like someone asks you for directions and, and you're you able... can actually do it. Right. Yeah. Although you mine was not my. Mine did not come at the end of my training. Mine was a little bit past the, the end, end of, of the mission. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So many good things for that one. I had for me. That's how I knew. Okay. Well, I, I think it's so funny that, like, in that in that movie, like, you did you. I feel like you intentionally had such a American accent because in so many of your yes. other things especially like in the books that you've you've narrated you have like an amazing accent especially in the fire and steel series i feel like you do like oh, the yeah, german that's, accent and, and that's one thing that i love that i wanted to do voiceover stuff my whole life so yeah. i can do every accent i i can do every accent poorly a few really well um, <laughs> but i I love it. And that's what it's such a great thing that I get paid to, to read books. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a great game? Yeah. That's, that's so amazing. awesome. And I personally want to say thank you because uh, Latter-day Saint books have, don't have a history of great narrators. Like there are a couple where it's like so dry and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is a great story. <laughs> and like everything about this is wonderful. And the narration is just so dry. Uh, and so I am super grateful for all the books that you've started to narrate, including saints, the second volume, which I thought was awesome. That you Yeah. I was super excited about that. I love the church and I love church history. So when the history department contacted me, um, it actually, I was supposed to do one, but there's a lot of bureaucracy in, uh, you know, in the levels of churchdom. And um, they, the, the reason why they had approached me was because I've done almost a thousand audiobooks. I have people that are not LDS who get a book just because I've narrated it. And so they mm -hmm. thought, oh, we want this because it's, it's an eighth grade level. That's the type of books that I usually narrate, the middle grade books. Um, the family type books. And um, so they thought, oh, this will be perfect. They approached me and said, we want you to do the accents and the voices and the emotion um, and do what you do. And then, so I said, great. And so I was excited to do it. And then they pulled it away from me. They said, um, there, we put it up a committee and they wanted to hear um, a dry version, like what, what you had said. And then, so I thought that, that was over. I knew there was a four volume history and I thought, oh, well, I missed out on that boat. I would have been so excited to be a part of that, lend my voice to the history of the church. Uh, but then after the first one came out, they came to me and said, we're so sorry, will you do volume two? And I said, we <laughs> Wait, man. and I think the guy who did the, the first volume, like he did a, a good job, oh, right? Yeah, absolutely. The, like, like the emotion that you add and like just the, how good you are with like the different the different names and the different languages um, i think it it made it very easy to make it through a very thick book thank you and it, it's so fun too because like i said i love church history so being able to look up it took a long time to narrate that longer than a, a normal book one because the church history department kept changing wording and then it'd have to go through a committee and then I'd get a new page and then I'd have to go in the first iteration of the book. It didn't say George Q Cannon. It just said George Cannon. And then it went back to a committee and they said, no, we need to say George Q. And so, <laughs> so you had to, got, go through. had to go through <laughs> and get all that. Um, but it was just so fun to look up and see the history and how I connected to um, like uh, James T. Allred and all these great historical figures and where did they come from? What part of Liverpool were they from? So then I was able to, you know, affect a very slight Liverpudlian accent for, uh, well, for George Q. Cannon, he was mm -hmm. from Liverpool. And so I, I loved that they wanted me to do what I do. They weren't asking me to do something that I, I don't do well. 
and I, I love doing voices. I love embodying the characters and mm-hmm. it, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so hopefully, yeah. unless things change, I'll be starting volume three um, in January, end of January or February. Oh, or that's awesome. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's so if I heard career. you. It, it can change the next day. So many right. things I thought were a sure thing that they're gone. So just I'm change. just happy that I mm-hmm. got to do it. Sorry, Emily, what were you saying? Yeah, well, you're fine. If I heard you right, you said you narrated over a thousand books. I have, yeah. It's a lot. That's incredible. So, yeah. okay, do you have a favorite? Could you even pick a favorite that you've done? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, gosh, I... Probably not. <laughs> I mean, yeah. thousands of big numbers. That's a huge number. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I've loved the Fire and Steel books. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of um, Dean Hughes. Um, I also love the Gerald Lund series that I've narrated. The. Um, Did you do the Muddy River oh. series? I can't remember what it's called. Oh, that's Dean Hughes. That's my, oh, yeah, yeah right. gosh, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So, Work in the that Glory? That? Yeah, that was amazing. No, that one's the, oh, oh we can talk the about that. That's a really good one. Yeah, the money's really good. Um, and then the, like the precursor to Fire and Steel. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a good friend. With, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that was Lund, right? Fire I think so, Steel. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's yes. such a fun series yeah that's in germany in world war one yeah 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 okay mm-hmm. i've read so many right. books since then <laughs> yeah <laughs> we get it <laughs> yeah so yeah. we want to talk oh, i have to say oh. my favorite you talked about your favorite movie okay i talk about mine oh, right oh, I, like <laughs> I think uh, i had two favorites one mm-hmm. I, I really love the best two years but i'll choose a different one because you chose that one uh, i love the rm i thought that one was yeah hilarious mm-hmm. um so the RM was was one of my big ones and I had so many like of those RM moments mm-hmm. when I came home yeah. from my mission. Uh, I remember watching a ton as a kid and thinking like, I can't wait to be an RM so I can watch this and then <laughs> and get everything. And for, be, for people who aren't like into the the jargon that we're using, like RM stands for return missionary. And so the RM is a movie about a, a missionary who just comes home and he just goes through all of these stereotypical awkward experiences trying to adjust back to regular life um but i'm also a huge history fan i love world war ii world war one and so i really like saints and soldiers yes what a great experience yeah so i this is probably such a dumb question and and i probably have assumed the answer but i remember watching it as a kid and seeing because you were if I remember right, you were like a British intelligence officer. Yes. And you like parachute down. And I remember at one scene, you're like smoking. I'm like, how did they do that? Oh, I smoked the whole thing. Should, I'm sure you did. That was, that was like a main character thing that, uh, right. that my character smoked. And, you know, that was a thing that I shared with another character in the movie at a very poignant moment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're just staged cigarettes. So I had to learn how to smoke for that. I never smoked before. And so this was when I lived in Utah. So this was like 19 years ago. Yeah, that's a long time ago that we filmed that. And um, I remember going out because I knew I had the part for a few months. And my character smokes so production got me a bunch of stage cigarettes which are their herbal like rose petals and um it's still it smells like feces it's (laughs) (laughs) and i i learned how to smoke out in my backyard in the autumn (laughs) of 2001 and um because i smelled so bad because i didn't know how to do the whole thing and um, how to light it and the whole aspect of smoking was foreign so I'd be out in my backyard and I could just feel the eyes of my neighbors just looking <laughs> into the backyard while I'm just smoking and getting it down and then because I smelled so bad my wife would make me take off all my clothes outside because it smelled like feces so I would 
I my, gave my neighbors stories for life, I'm sure. I'm out there smoking and then I get naked and go just... out. <laughs> oh man, I'm so glad I asked that because that was a much better story than I thought I was going to get from that question. Yeah. Um, yeah. But oh, I've, that was... I've never smoked other than that in my life. So um, it was it was a fun few months that uh, I got to see what it was like to smoke. And I don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Man, it's awesome. And wow. again, on the, on the line of like mm-hmm. World War II history stuff, I love the, the Fire and Steel books. I think they're so good. And there are, I, I've started to use the word Dumkoff because of that book yeah, yeah. and every time i say Dumkoff, i hear it in your voice yeah. <laughs> that was such a fun thing to do doing because the the when it's from that family in germany their point of view you needed to have just a slight german accent you know and it's just so fun to be subtle like that mm-hmm. so fun it's so amazing cool yeah i i used to be able to do a few accents and then once i learned russian all of my oh. accents oh. end up like going Russian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you speak any foreign languages? I speak Spanish. I served a Spanish-speaking mission. Okay, okay. cool. Where at? I served in the Dominican Republic. So we want to ask, we're going to talk about making good <laughs> at the end, kind of, but we want to ask real quick right now, what was your favorite service project for making good? Yeah, well, which one was most rewarding for yeah. you? Um, Man, they all have been just so great. I have fond memories of the barbecue episode. That was one of the um, the, the crew on on that. When we go out, we, there are six of us. There's me, a showrunner, a producer who does the logistics of producing, and the creator director. And then we have two camera operators. And then we just hire sound locally. <clears throat> excuse me so on the barbecue episode that there was a moment where we could have exploited the people that were just leaving the flooded area and um because that makes good dramatic tv seeing people suffering and uh needing help but there came a point where everybody just put down the cameras the director the producer everybody had we stopped worrying about getting good dramatic footage and jumped in and helped these people take their possessions across the a flooded road. And I was, I thought these are the type of people I want to spend the next 10 years of my life with mm-hmm. the kind that jump in. And so on every episode I do do all the work and I make sure, and people laugh, they, the people that were helping uh, the organizations, they say, we, we thought this was TV, that he would just push stop and then, you know, we would come in and finish it. But I pride myself. I love doing service. So I make sure mm-hmm. everything that looks like I did, I do. A lot of times, though, the other guys, they'll feel bad. So they'll stop rolling and they'll come in and help do other things uh, that isn't like the main job that I'm doing. But they can help the organization in other ways. They're all beautiful guys that, that uh, they step up when the cameras aren't rolling and it's it's amazing. That's so awesome. I, it's such an uplifting show and I'm excited to talk about it a little bit uh, later. I kind of probably just in a few minutes, but first we want to talk about um, building community, um, building communities of faith, specifically from the perspective of, of content creation. And so it's kind of a, I don't know if it's like a weird topic, but it's one we haven't talked about before. Uh, but it's something that is very relevant for me because like we, we talked about earlier, as a child, I grew up uh, in an area where there weren't a lot of members of my, of my church, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And we were the only ones in our high school uh, for, or I guess for in our school for a while. And then there weren't very many active youth in our branch uh, branches are for those of our listeners who are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Branches are small congregations, um, and so I felt really separated and isolated for a bunch of different reasons. Because being a, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is kind of it's kind of intensive, and there's like a whole culture that goes with it, and um, 
And a lot of people look down on that culture, um, especially where I grew up. And for me, all of the movies that you, specifically you acted in, uh, and kind of from that genre of Latter-day Saint comedies or um, historical dramas type films, that uh, played a huge role in helping me feel connected to the community of the church. Um, and even though most of those movies don't really have a whole lot to do with directly building testimony, a lot of them are just kind of funny or uh, there might be feel good type movies. Um, they don't necessarily build testimony directly in the Savior or in the church. For me, it, it gave me a space to help me feel connected, helped me a lot uh, as I was actually developing my, my testimony because I, I, I felt like I was part of that community. Um, I know you've, you've kind of grown up in places where members of the church are a little more plentiful, um, but I was wondering if you could talk about that kind of aspect of, of your work. And I, that might not be a super so, great question. Yeah, a lot question, of people, but... when they talk to me, they, well, no, yeah, let's talk about community. I, I think that's the thing that people connected with these movies. They're not Oscar movies, you know, they're not, I, I, they are what they are. They're beautiful moments that you can laugh. Mm-hmm. And, and share with your family. But I think the thing that I have people saying, this has been made me feel like I'm not alone out in the big wide world, that there are other people in this situation with me. And I do like what you said that um, I think that's the things that attracts me to the is that it's not easy religion to live. You kind of, I'm, I'm sure you know people, you either have to be all in or you're all out. Mm -hmm. I, I have friends and family members who, and, and, and that's what I tell my kids and I show them the examples of these friends or family members that they say, why are they gone? Why are they not in the church anymore? And it's because they didn't have both feet in from the beginning. There needs to be a moment that you say, <clears throat> I am in all the way. And so people ask me, I, I lived in California, in Los Angeles, in the heart of Sodom and Gomorrah for 16 years. And I was able to have a great career in TV and commercials and film. Um, and people wonder how I was able to stay a member of the church. And honestly, it's not any harder in Hollywood than it is for someone in Louisiana, than it is for an engineer in Washington. You you either are a member or you're not. Mm -hmm. And there really awesome. is no, there it really is no middle ground, I don't think. Some people do it socially, and that's great. Uh, um, there's they're getting some light, and we need that social connection. Um, but I think to be a, a true disciple of Jesus Christ, you gotta be all in. Right. And, and so I think this brings up an interesting point that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, I, I think it's, it's evident that people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for cultural or social reasons, I, I think that that testimony isn't as deep or sustaining. Uh, and so it can't be it, right? Like that can't be the end goal is to have a cultural or, or socially based testimony. Uh, but what positive role can culture and and society play in building testimony? Well, just that it gives somebody a safe place to feel a part of something. And, and I don't think it's wrong that someone is a member of the church for social reasons. I think it's just if you're expecting to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're just going for the social, you're not going to get that relationship you are gonna reap the benefits of the culture and feel loved and have your shovel or your sidewalk shovel and you'll participate in service projects. And, and that's beautiful and that's amazing. But I don't know, you can't, it, it's like, if you want a cake, you've got to put all the ingredients into the cake, you know? Mm -hmm. I like and, that. And unless you do that, you're, you're not going to get a cake. You'll get something that might taste good. You might just get frosting, 
But until you put all the ingredients together, you're not going to be as satisfied. So yeah, right. I, I, I want to make sure that people understand. I, I, I don't think it's wrong for people. I think it's beautiful that people do stay in the church for social and uh, cultural reasons. Because um, so, sometimes that's hard because then when you hear something like from the history of the church in Saints Volume mm -hmm. 2, that deals with some of the hardest stuff, polygamy and the Mountain Meadows Massacre and the end of polygamy. All of these things, uh, I, I think if people are there socially, it's harder for them to maintain that, that testimony and see that this is really about my relationship between myself and my savior and my heavenly father. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I just think that that's a harder thing to just be in the church socially. Something's going to come along to pull you away and make you doubt everything that you might have felt. That's why I feel it's so important. I, I teach my kids the most important thing is your relationship with the Savior and Heavenly Father. It's not mm -hmm. what your bishop thinks of you. It's not um, what your mission president or your stake president, any leader, it doesn't matter because there have been some horrible leaders in the church. And if you base your testimony on a person, then you're going to be shattered. It's devastating to them because they feel vulnerable. And so when they hear something about a leader that is a fallible person and they base their testimony on the infallibility of leaders, it's going to shake their core. Mm -hmm. So this is totally off topic. I guess not off topic, but it wasn't part of our planned discussion. Uh, this is a question that Emily frequently brings up. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I'd, be, I'd be really interested to hear your input on this because you, you mentioned it. Um, talking about like having a relationship with the Savior and with the Father. Oh, yeah. Um, how would you differentiate those two? And like, how, what do you do to develop a relationship with one versus the other? I make sure I understand especially like what Moroni wrote in the end of the Book of Mormon, that we approach Heavenly Father through Jesus, through the gift of Jesus. So I feel like I establish a stronger relationship with the Savior when I am actively repenting, when I'm actively forgiving mm -hmm. others, and when I'm forgiving myself. I feel like I'm appreciating the the savior and his sacrifice mm -hmm. that he made for us mm -hmm. and um i i don't think i understood what it meant to have a relationship with heavenly father <clears throat> until i became a dad and i understand how desperately dads want to have a relationship with their kids they mm -hmm. they may roll their eyes a little bit at hearing how amazing the color yellow is for the thousandth time, you know? And it is a great color. Mm -hmm. um, but they still want to hear, they still want to hear from, from their kids. And so I think that helped me with my relationship with Heavenly Father, becoming a dad. I remember when I was in seminary, that was a moment that helped me realize what it means to have a relationship with the Savior. It isn't just not doing bad mm -hmm. it's also you need to be doing good he <clears throat> he did this great visual he had a, a manila envelope that had a big yellow smiley face on it you know the be happy smiley face mm -hmm. and he held it up in front of you know there's a hundred kids in this early morning devotional and he said every time uh here's where, where I did something wrong. Like I lied to somebody and he poked a hole in the manila envelope in a smiley face. And he mentioned a bunch of things that you did wrong or things that you didn't do that you should have done, stood up for somebody. And so there were holes all in the smiley face. And I remember thinking, oh yeah, I get what he's trying to say. Then my smiley face is full of holes and I'm not what I need to be. But then, man, the spirit was so strong. It's, this is, you know, I can count on one hand moments where the spirit was 
like Pentecostal, just like fire coming across the whole congregation. Um, and he opened up the manila envelope and in it was a picture of the savior. And it was like, oh my goodness, that's what I'm doing every time I'm uh, doing a sin of omission or a sin of commission. And he said, um, every time you do something like that, you're saying, in essence, to the guards that had the savior right before his crucifixion, you're saying, whip him again for me. Oh, gosh. Mm. Oh. And that was, that made me realize by not utilizing the atonement, I'm in essence doing that. I'm saying, and man, th there's such a big ethereal thing that the atonement is, but the basic of it is that acknowledge that Jesus suffered, he died, he rose, and he is the one that gives us grace. Yeah, in a nutshell, that's what it is. But that that when I when I think on that, that helps me with my relationship. It also has helped um, being an actor. Um, there have been some things that I've, some roles that I've done, some books that I've narrated. I smoked in Saints and Soldiers and Good Mormons Don't Smoke. Um, I've had a lot of angry people, a lot of angry members of the church email me or approach me, tell me I'm going to hell, tell me that um, if, if uh, their, their kid commits a crime or starts drinking or starts smoking it's all on my head um and oh my so goodness like it's been, emily is sitting here with with drop jaw right now just yeah. i know you can't see it i just home. don't understand how people can be so cruel <clears throat> i know i know it's sad it was sad and and i that all of those experiences have helped me realize that uh in the end it really is just my relationship with my wife, my kids, the Savior, and my Heavenly Father. Um, yeah, I, so I did, people were angry. I did a beer commercial um, like 10, 15 years ago, and that upset so many people. And um, that I'm gonna go to hell and their kids' sins are now on my head. And I remember, I was, this is when I was in California and um, I was walking down the hall in church and my bishop said, I had just gotten a, received an email from some angry person. And I was, I remember walking in the hall of church and the bishop said, um, hey, how you doing? I go, oh man, the, um, I just got an angry email um, about doing that commercial. And he said, it was beautiful advice. He said, um, nobody knows that you are a worthy husband, a worthy father, and at the time, a, uh, an active home teacher, except for a heavenly father. I don't know, nobody else knows. So you can let all the rest of what everybody else is saying just fall off your back because it's all about your role as a husband, a father, and uh, a home teacher. Man, what a powerful lesson. I mean, like, I'm yeah. so sorry I had to go through such a sucky situation <laughs> to get the lesson. But that's kind of the name of the game, right? Like, you don't get yeah. good lessons without going through something, like, not fun. Yeah. Right. Oh, man. And how true of, is that for us today when I feel like there are so many competing voices where there are like so many different I mean it's probably always been true but I feel like it's amplified today today in today's world there are so many different loud angry voices declaring what our faithful relationship with our father should look like mm -hmm. right and uh and they're competing and they're angry with each other and you feel like you're constantly making someone mad regardless of what you're doing, right? Like even if you feel like you're trying to do just buy the book and not deviate at all, like you're making somebody mad. You're always um, going to make somebody mad. Right. I mean, especially if you're in the public eye, like you are, like you, 
you know, you have it worse than most of us. Mm -hmm. um, but man, I, yeah, I'm grateful that we brought this up. I think that is a really important lesson with so many voices today is just to be really focused on our relationship with our father and with our savior and try and differentiate those two and better understand those, those persons and our relationship to them and what they've done for us and what we can do for them. Yeah. Kind of along those, those lines, that's a great transition into making good. Can we go ahead and talk about that? I love making good. It's the best thing I've awesome. ever been a part of. I've been an so actor now for 20 years uh -huh. and this hands down, it, it's so great. So it, the way it came about, I'm guessing that's what you're gonna ask. Right, yep. Mm -hmm. Yes. <clears throat> so I, the creator, Greg Kiefer, he's a good friend of mine. We did, at the very beginning of my career 20 years ago, we did some small commercials, local Utah commercials together. Um, we did a film together. And then just over the years, we've stayed in contact and we keep on saying, what's going to be our thing? That it's just us, Greg and Kirby, because the other ones were other people involved. And um, so over the years, he's come up with some ideas and nothing really took off. And then about three or four years ago, he pitched me the idea for making good because he said, people love to see you struggling and in over your head. <laughs> And um, <laughs> which is true. People love to see me suffer. Um, <laughs> and so he pitched me the idea. It's kind of like a dirty jobs, but with philanthropy and where I just have fun, get in over my head and then uh, just be charming and naive and fun. And then as we develop the show, um, I added I feel like an aspect of me is music, an important part of my life is music. And so I said, how about um, to make it even harder on the whole production, I'll write a song when I'm there about the organization as a gift to them. And he said, that's a crazy idea. I think it's awesome. And <laughs> so then uh, we went and pitched it to BYU TV. They loved it. And we're now in our third season filming. We just finished our fifth episode in this third season. And so how many is that? That's 25 episodes. And 25 times I have been the night before I needed to present the song thinking, why did I pitch the idea to write a song <laughs> while I'm here? So I'm up all night with all my notes and a blank piece of paper and just start, I just start writing. And, you know, I say a prayer before, because at the end of the day, I get to leave these other people who are helping these either handicapped children or families with um, terminal illnesses, they're going to stay there. And they're doing that for the rest of their lives. I'm there for a week, and then I leave. So I, f I feel that when I do the song in the episode, it has to be something that speaks to them, speaks to their organization, but it's universal enough that other people can embrace it. Um, and so I, I put everything into, into that song. And I do make the mistake, if you've seen episodes, um, where I'll start singing and I'll make eye contact with the founder and I'll just lose it because mm -hmm. I see them they're crying and I know that they're feeling the spirit um, and it's just it's a way that our spirits are connecting and able to communicate and I'm saying I love you I appreciate what you're doing and you're making the world a better place one of the That's best so awesome. moments was um, on the island dolphin care it's an organization that uses dolphins to help families uh, rehabilitate there's uh, in the episode there's a kid who had had a stroke at i think like four or five and then another kid with um cerebral palsy and the dolphins help them once they're in the water it helps them forget their disabilities and the families get in the water and they're all equal and smiling and it's beautiful so after i sang the song 
there were other people that weren't in the episode that were part of the island dolphin care treatment. <clears throat> and there was a woman from uh, Germany. They come to Florida from Germany, from across the world to be a part of this. And she came up to me after the song and it was a beautiful moment that I'll always treasure that she said, um, in, and she said it and it had the beautiful German accent. She said, um, there are moments in my life that I think that I'm collecting a pearl necklace. And every moment where something beautiful, beautiful happens, I put another pearl on that necklace. I just put a pearl on my necklace. Oh, man. Oh, and I was so touched because it was, it was a beautiful moment. And the, with, with these organizations, none of them have been um, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Well, maybe one or two, but, but they're, they're all people of all faiths mm -hmm. that we communicate, I've realized, through the Spirit, through, they, they have that spirit of service. When you're serving, you absolutely are feeling the light of Christ and feeling the Spirit move you to do this good. And so to be able to communicate with them on that level, they, I always go in uh, and they're a little trepidatious because here's this film crew. They're excited about uh, having their organization highlighted, but then I show up and I'm in a funny outfit or I mm -hmm. act like I'm going to take over the organization. And, but by the end, we're best friends and it's amazing. And that's what service does when you feel the spirit together, you just, grow close together yeah so the goal that greg and i had with the show was to inspire people after watching an episode to either do one of two things one donate to the organization that we highlighted um or two volunteer somewhere mm -hmm. the whole goal is to get them to get up off the couch and go out and do something good for other people and it's so inspiring seeing all these people doing so much good. Amazing. That was a long-winded answer. No, it was perfect. Oh man, I <clears throat> I love so much, so much about this show. There's so many fun aspects about it. Um, I, I think you mentioned earlier that people love to see you struggle and in way over your head. And I think one reason that I do, I love seeing you in those situations, especially like when you're having to make a narwhal cake or, uh, <laughs> or or figure out how to plant trees or whatever it is uh, is because I hope that when I'm in way over my head that I do it so um happily I guess or that like I, yeah. I don't like I'm not like angry about it right like it's so easy to be angry when you feel over your head uh and or I just, like panicky or nervous yeah but to just like do it so happily and just do it that's awesome I love yeah. that yeah yeah it's so awesome and, and man there are so many times where we watch the show where we're like either crying or almost crying and it really like for me especially with anything with kids especially since oh, yeah. having kids anytime there's a kid that's sick or a kid who's <laughs> like like in the cake episode i think it was uh icing smiles or smiles yeah. uh -huh. mm -hmm. oh man so the this organization they bake these crazy extravagant cakes as celebrations or as comforts or as, like for these big milestones in kids lives especially kids that have leukemia or some kind of cancer or some other big thing that they're going through uh and every time they talked about a different kid or a different cake i was like oh my gosh i am i can't handle this <laughs> um but it's just it's so good to see that there are there's still good people in the world right like yes. the world may seem like it's it's burning but like there are still people there who are still. making cakes for kids with cancer right <clears throat> right and yeah and through service we're able to like build a expanded community of serving of the light of christ and of spreading awareness about other volunteer organizations and opportunities so that's really yeah cool. I think one really cool episode for me was the episode where you uh, planted trees in New Orleans. Yes. Uh, because growing up in Louisiana, 
I have done so many service projects in uh, across the Gulf Coast, uh, but there was a hurricane in New Orleans just a few months ago, and I was in one of the air, one of the areas where you planted trees, like oh, right there. Uh, yeah, and so, we, um, and I'm pretty sure it's right there. I couldn't tell which side of the bridge it was actually on, <laughs> but it was in that area, right? I've been in yeah, those yeah. areas so many times, <laughs> and it's just it's so cool uh, being in in these areas where people have lost everything or everything is totally destroyed and you just get people from all walks of life right like all socioeconomic backgrounds like all sexualities and every spectrum you could think of and we're all there um speaking the same language and we're all communicating with each other on a deeper level like we're talking about communicating through the spirit through the light of christ through that, that spirit of service um and seeing you there was it was kind of cool for me because i'm like oh i've been there like i've done stuff like like there were several shots um i don't know if it was shots that were taken from where you're actually serving or just from around new orleans but I'm like oh i've like done work on that corner like i've eaten at that taqueria oh, right there um, so that was really cool for me um, but it's, that's it's, the thing that I love about the show is is that it it is either one person or a or a large organization they kind of really focus on the one. In mm -hmm. like with the planting of the trees, the people that came together they didn't know really anybody who had been affected in mm -hmm. the neighborhood who were planting trees, but it was a way of them. I feel like being the hands of Heavenly Father and saying, you are loved, you are thought of. I don't know who you are, but I love you and I'm going to serve mm -hmm. you. And it's such a beautiful thing. Right. And it's, it's such a great testimony to the fact that we're not just, we're not just animals, right? We're not just the right. natural man. Like there's something deep in us that craves that feeling of connecting on that deeper level that can only be felt when we serve other people, especially right. random people. Like there's something really special about like seeing somebody else uh, that we have we've never met before. We'll likely never come into contact with again right. uh, and, and going and serving them because when we do that, we recognize like the divine nature of that individual. We recognize that that person's exactly. also a child of God. And like, and until they we, are just as uh, valuable to Heavenly Father as, as I am. And they're just as worthy to receive the love and forgiveness that the Savior offers as anybody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we need to wrap up here pretty soon, but we want to ask our last question that we're starting to ask everybody this year. And that is, what are you doing right now could be a little thing or like a big deal, but what are you doing in your home to make it more of an outpost of heaven? We make sure that we hug our kids every day and that we eat meals together, dinner especially. There's a long list of things and you're gonna get them all. <laughs> um, we pray every morning together. And then we pray every night together and we, um, we read our scriptures together every night, regardless of how tired we are. And um, I think the thing that I love the most that makes our home an outpost of heaven is my wife started this when the kids were super young um, and we've been doing it. I, I don't have a memory of not doing this every dinner we sit around and you tell your favorite part of the day and the service you did for the day. Which, oh, that's a good one. I, I love know. that. I love yeah. that. Because some people do the, what was your favorite thing? What was the worst thing? And yes, bad things happen and you should absorb them and figure them out and deal with, deal with the feelings and everything. <clears throat> but there's also a lot of good things that, are, that happen to you and so it's encouraging our kids to see the good that happens to them every single day and also to be the good every single day. So they, we all oh know gosh. at dinner time we're going to have to report 
what service have we done and what did we love about the day okay mm -hmm. we're gonna start using that i absolutely love it yeah that's awesome and we do the what was your favorite part of the day or what did you love most about the day but we, yeah. we don't do the service one so i think we're gonna steal we're that, that with your wife's permission we're gonna steal that one <laughs> you you have the blessing and you'll be surprised your four-year-old honestly and you, you it'll get some getting used to and encourage them like say well mm -hmm. didn't you just give a little bit of your dinner to your sibling here and mm -hmm. i saw how nice you were then they'll realize oh that's what service is and then you're instilling in them from a young age serving each other and that yeah. for sure i feel like that creates an outpost of heaven in our house man oh, what an awesome takeaway i think yeah. hiram is our, our four-year-old and i think he already shows like an interest in that kind of stuff so i think he'll mm -hmm. he'll do he'll really love well. that yeah. yeah like he's already like very aware of helping and Mm -hmm. um oh that's great you're doing so good I, already I, yeah, we hope so right on. he's only four so we can't really see all the defects that we've caused <laughs> yet so <laughs> oh man so awesome cool. uh, and one great thing about making good is that it's on byu tv which means that anyone can watch it regardless of what streaming services or cable you have like you just download the byu tv app or you can watch it on your web browser so again byu tv app um and they have it on a bunch of smart TVs and streaming platforms as well. I saw you can answer this for us, but I saw a, that you have a YouTube channel channel of like mini making goods. Is that like different from the actual episodes? Yeah, um, on the YouTube channel, we just did like some little five minute things where they're just kind of fun little okay. shorts. Yeah, cool. Well, you can watch those too. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, are, so you do so much. You put out so much amazing, amazing content. Is there anywhere where people can follow you to kind of keep up with everything you're doing and working on? Yes. The place that I'm mostly on is Instagram. And that's just Kirby Hayborn at Kirby Hayborn. Cool. Um, I do Facebook on occasion because my son's on a mission and that's how we communicate. But um, other than that, I try to stay away from social media, but um, I'm addicted, so I'll look at it. <laughs> so. Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so, so much. We'll make sure to link all the things in the show notes. And um, if you love what you heard, if I could talk, <laughs> if you like what you heard today, please make sure to rate and review the podcast. We would appreciate that. All right. We love you guys. Go make some good and keep the faith. Bye.